Welcome to Filmstrip, movie reviews presented by Continuous Play Podcast. These podcasts are spoiler-filled as we discuss the plots, characters, and themes of the films in review. All content used or discussed in these podcast episodes is the property of the respective owners and used under the Fair Use Act, Section 504C2, Title 17. Welcome to Filmstrip. I'm Jay. And I'm Carolina. <laughs> Actually, it's, it's Nick. It's Nick. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't you be Wisconsin-lina? But anyway. Uh, I, I, don't li- I don't live in Wisconsin anymore. I'm a, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a southern boy now. <laughs> and this is our review of Alien Covenant, starring Michael Fassbender, twice Catherine Waterston, Billy Crudup, Danny McBride, Carmen Ijogo, Damien Vischer, James Franco, Numi Rapace, and Guy Pierce for a total of about 40 seconds together. <laughs> Directed by Ridley Scott. Of course, this is out now in 2017. We're recording this weekend of release. $92 million budget on this one. Box office has been promising so far. I mean, it looks like it's in the lead, so I have no doubt that this thing will make its budget back, Nick. But, um, yeah, you know the sequel to Prometheus, because we were so excited about that five years later, and five years later we returned to the Alien series after having reviewed it. We are back. Uh, surprisingly enough, I thought Prometheus had actually uh, put a fork in the series, uh, disappointingly, and uh, no, uh, Ridley uh, wants to prove a point that he can make a make make another good uh Alien Universe movie, should we say? Yeah, I think that's that's fair to say an Alien Universe movie. Though this one, spoiler warnings are are should be a, you know obvious at this point, folks. But this one has a lot more of this the quote stuff the fans wanted, according to what Ridley heard or read or somebody told him uh, in between brandies and tea breaks, and he shoved it all into another movie that you know David had that line in the last movie that big things have small beginnings and i'm like yep and we're never gonna get to those big things ever like we still and they keep saying oh that's in the next movie when we get to the space jockey on lv426 and all that and then they'll make the next one and then it'll be like yeah it's in the next movie and i'm convinced now that like no matter what they do there's no there's gonna be no satisfying way to set that up at this point. yeah this is kind of like uh i know off air we were talking about game of thrones and it's kind of like George R. R. Martin. If you ever seen that Salt Park episode, where it's like, "Don't worry, it's coming, it's coming." You know, the dragons and zombies, it's coming, it's coming. But first, we got to do this. I mean, that's kind of the thing. And I, I tell you, um, before I saw this, I kind of uh, came to kind of an understanding. I, I had to come to peace with the series, as you know, if you go back and you listen to our podcasts on the alien series avp series uh alien really holds a special place in my heart uh some kids grew up with star wars some kids grew up with star trek you know and alien was kind of my star wars growing up that's the kid i was i was just into those first two movies into the third one to some degree and i had the toys i had you know i was just totally into it and my what i came to peace was is that I got to accept this as a reboot. I, I just do. I, I know that that's not the intent, but and we'll get into why I think that's a good way to people actually to view this series. Well, Prometheus, we'll call it Alien Prometheus and then Alien Covenant because I got a feeling that future Blu-ray releases will rebrand Prometheus. But uh, yeah. I just think that it just 
it's better to view this as kind of like a reboot to the series. I, you know, otherwise we're in like fucking prequel George Lucas <laughs> shit right here, to, you know, and uh, freaking, you know, Peter Jackson Hobbit stuff where it's just like, come on, guys. You know, and, and here, here's the sad part is like, I'm I'm a I'm a big fan of Breaking Bad and like Better Call Saul and I'm watching this Better Call Saul series and the way that they can just like make a solid prequel series that respects the original and doesn't freaking just you know retcon or whatever the original series is amazing and they're doing that over what 30 episodes so far and this is like 4 hours worth of movies and they We'll get into it, but I think I think you'll you kind of see where I'm going here. Yeah, I mean, and I won't disagree with you. Right now, the best work being done is on television or on series. I'll, I want to use that word television loosely because we consume television much differently than the way we used to. And I'm talking about like series, like cable, and then streaming services are making the best shows right now. Netflix produces amazing shows. Amazon's had some good ones. Hulu's got some really good ones. The Path is one I've been watching. You need to check that out if you haven't, folks. It's it, um, You got Aaron Paul from Breaking Bad as the lead in that, and he's fantastic. But Better Call Saul, you know, everybody remembers how good Breaking Bad was. Um, yeah, I mean, the best things are on series. The, the thing with series, though, and I have noticed this, is that the endings sometimes kind of miss like fall flat like that's the hardest thing to do is to ever end a series especially an episodic show like how do you ever wrap it all up because the getting there's the fun um and sometimes they work sometimes they don't sometimes you really like it at the, at the moment and then you watch it later and you're like yeah it's not really that satisfying but i agree with you the best stuff is is strung out over long form nowadays 10 12 episodes at a chunk and and we get what we want out of it uh yeah but good well, movies think, are being made too though that's the thing good yep. movies are being made and good franchise movies can be made. And I, I want to say right now off the top, this is better than Prometheus. They look almost exactly the same. They look beautiful. All right? Except this one has a lot more alien stuff in it that we like. Actually, I should say aliens stuff in it that we like because Ridley's borrowing a lot from James Cameron's look in this film. But like as far as like just base storyline, this one definitely better than Prometheus. Like I walked out of this one and I wasn't flipping off the poster. Exactly. Now, that's not to tip my hand and say I think this is any good or not, but I didn't have that visceral reaction to it. And I wonder if I'm kind of like you that subconsciously I made this deal with myself going into it that hey, I'm just going to just going to go in and I just hope to see an alien movie from the trailers. It looks like I'm going to get some some actual xenomorph here and uh Danny McBride's usually funny, so we'll go with that. Oddly enough, he's not funny in this. They don't give him any comedy to do, but we do get a whole lot of xenomorph. Yeah, yeah, no, no, we do. And I think, you know, you know, most people most most people I associate with really don't care for Prometheus. And just, you know, reading and like, you know, listening to some of these Ridley Scott interviews about what he thought the problem is with Prometheus and I don't think he gets it. I just I, I, I don't. I, I mean I, I see a movie like his like The Martian and I think that's a great movie. But the reason fantastic. I think that movie is great is because it's based off a great book. It had he really had very limited, at least from what I understand, very limited stuff to do with the script, and then he had a great cast. Well, so he was to, able to make. To be fair, though, he didn't have a lot to do with the Prometheus script. He had the idea of exploring our creation. Nobody wanted to make that, so he slapped Alien on it, and then he hired guys to write it. And then Damon Lindelof came in, as we you know oh, rightly God. blamed forever in that last podcast on Prometheus, and did what what we didn't like about it. You know, so I, I don't know that really had a whole lot to say about any of them, and he's. 
hit or miss on adaptations. Have you ever seen Hannibal? Which, by the way, is a horrendous book too. But the movie is even worse. Like that—that's one of the worst like sequels ever made. Uh, yeah, I, I've time. seen it. I've seen it. I think it's. <laughs> I can watch it because I take it as a comedy. <laughs> it's the because, darkest, bloodiest comedy ever. <laughs> it is. I mean, but it's, it's so unintentionally funny in so many areas True. that it's just like you can't. Uh, to me, it's just like Silence of the Lamb exists on its own. Hannibal, you know, Hannibal Rising. Oh Christ! I mean, oh, that's, that's kind of its own. <laughs> Hannibal yeah. is Batman. <laughs> you mean? Oh man, yeah. Fighting maybe, Nazis maybe with one, samurai swords. <laughs> maybe one day we'll play around with that. Speaking of which, though, the Hannibal TV series. I don't know if you ever watched any of that or not. Hugh Dancy. Uh, uh, silly, not silly, Murphy. Uh, it's Mads Mickelson. Yeah, Mads Mickelson. Thank you. Awesome, awesome. In and and and, and I, I'll tell you this right now. I heard of great things, but I'm never going to watch it because I know that we know we were just bringing up about how series go, and sometimes they have fulfilling endings, sometimes they don't. That series just ends, and it's yeah. like one of the mo- series like Deadwood, where I'll never watch it because there's no ending to it. And some people are going to sit there and go, "Come on, man! You know, there's great story, there's great acting there. I get it." But if you listen to all our reviews, I'm very much a story first guy. Right. I, I, I can I can accept some bad CGI, some bad acting, as long as the story is solid. But if I'm going into something, I'm going to invest time and hours into it, and there's going to be no ending to it. I just can't do it. To me, that's like yeah. you know, you're going to give me a thousand page opus of a book, and then I'll suddenly rip out the last hundred pages, and then be like, hey, you know what? It's a really good book, but you're never going to get the ending to it. And it's <laughs> like I'm just not going to sit down and yeah. invest like 16 hours of my time to read I those can... 900 pages, and then just not get an ending. I'm sorry, I just I I can't do that. Like like we're saying with TV, there's so many good things on right now that to go and to start a story that's never going to have an ending, it's just there's not enough time on the table I, for I, that. I would recommend just watching a couple of episodes then just to get a feel for it because there are some good ones, and we talk about that another time. But, I mean, that's, again, another example of there are good franchise stories to be told. And I'm, I'm going to ask this now, and you can answer it at the end of the podcast. I'm wondering if maybe the, the buildup to what we know as Alien – wouldn't have been better served in that medium. So just hold on to that as we get into this thing. But why don't we do a plot summary, Nick, before we get any deeper into this? Okay. So, bound for a remote planet on the far side of the galaxy, members of the uh, colony ship Covenant respond to a signal from a planet. That sounds familiar. (laughs) While there, I'm going to say that a lot. While there, the crew along with their android, Walter, an updated version of David from from the movie Prometheus, um, encounters David, a synthetic survivor of the doomed Prometheus expedition. The mysterious world soon turns dark and dangerous when a hostile alien life form forces the crew to fight for survival in the strange area. After crew members are killed and do battle with the alien creatures they call the Neomorph, after rescuing the remaining crew, David reveals his activities on the planet. Using the black liquid as a catalyst, he created the earliest Neomorphs after experimenting with a parasitic creature that laid eggs inside its prey. When born, the larvae ate the prey from from the inside out. Xenomorphs kill a bunch of crew until there are only two humans left, and they flush the remaining alien out of an air shaft into the outer space. Sounds familiar. <laughs> the, re- the, the, the remaining crew re-enters sta- stasis. Sounds familiar. Just as one of them realizes David gained control and he's brought two alien embryos along for the ride in one of the most unintentionally comical scenes I've ever seen. But um, David records a log uh, falsifying how the rest of the crew dies. 
as credits roll. Yeah, we also Again, forgot the familiar thing of the crane fighting the queen alien too, but we'll get into that, I guess. So. Yeah, yeah, we'll get we'll, we'll we'll get into it, Jay. Yeah, let's well, let's <laughs> let's talk about our Covenant crew, and I I'm going to run through the names of everyone here, but at no point should anybody who hasn't seen this movie or trying to keep up with this movie bother to know who any of these people are, because there's really only three, maybe four you need to know. I'll let you read who the crew is, but I get to do the fingering, okay? <laughs> oh, God. We're going to talk about that scene, too. <laughs> uh, well, you know Walter David, all right? So uh, Walter is the... Michael Fassbender cannot do an American accent. Why did they do that? Dumb idea. But he's Walter with well, he's David with brown hair. All right, so he's the updated android. He's there. Then you have Daniels, who's the new Ripley. That's Catherine Waterston. Um, and you have Tennessee, Danny McBride, who's the pilot. And then everybody else is mostly disposable. Like if you want to remember Chris Orham as the first you know, lead or whatever, that's Billy Crudup. But everybody else here, Lope, Kareen, Maggie, Ricks, Upworth, Hallett, Ancord, Led Ward, doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't tell you who was what and in which order they even died. I just know that one died, that one died, Ooh, that one got chest bursted, that one got ripped in half. Like, it, it, that one got decapitated. Like, there's a lot of real gory death, but I feel like I'm watching a Friday the 13th sequel. You know, there's a bunch of camp people, and I'm like, I don't. Who are the main ones? The that girl and the dude, and that's all I need to know. Everybody else, mm, fodder. And I, I've never thought of the Alien movies, even like the ones I didn't like, like Alien Resurrection. The only ones I felt like were were populated with cast that was way too big just to be killed was Alien versus Predator Requiem. And maybe a little bit of AVP, but mostly Requiem, right? Like, we talked about that cast being way too many people and how they're just all there to be killed. And I feel like this would have been a lot more interesting if they, like, pared it down a little bit. Uh, see, that's the thing. It did, doesn't have to be pared down because, you know what? Let, let's take a look at Alien. We got the characters there. You have Kane. You have Parker. You have Ash. You have Ripley. You have Dallas. You have Brett. You know what I mean? You can go through each of them right now and tell me which type of archetype they are. With Kane, it's supposed to be, you know, your standard hero guy. Dallas is your captain. Ripley is your by-the-books, you know, officer. Lambert, I didn't bring up Lambert, but He's Lambert's kind of like your, yep, you know, Lambert's kind of like your, um, almost like your, you know, the the crowds, you know, the crowd's eyes or something like that. And also the emotional one, Parker, you know, then you got Parker who's the, you know, the big, the big minority guy. The and tough stuff. One, yeah. And then you got Brett. Yeah. Then you got Brett who's kind of like the blue collar worker and stuff like that. Then you go to aliens. Okay. We got Hicks. We got Hudson. We got Vasquez. We got Gorman. We got obviously Ripley. We got Newt. We got Burke. I can even go through even some of the secondary. Uh, yeah, you got you know, Frost. Colin is like a, a yeah. Apone. Yeah. You got. Wabowski. Uh, all yeah. those guys. Yeah. And so you got all those guys right there. And even when we get to alien three, I mean, okay, you got Dylan, you got uh, Charles Dance's character, who I'm now kind of missing my point, yeah. right? Yeah, but but you know what I mean. Then you got you know you got 88, who's the guy with the low IQ. Then you got you know the warden and stuff like that. And you got some memorable guys who are actually within the prison. Then you get the Alien Resurrection, which actually has a lot of memorable characters. I mean, you can Jane, go through there, you know. With, yeah, yeah, you know, you got you got Ron Perlman's character, mm -hmm. got Michael Wincott, all these guys. They all have certain archetypes to them, and even Prometheus, to a point, had characters that you could remember you know what it, I mean? it also had a geologist that got lost and, and a biologist yes, that touched yes, alien yes, life yes. forms so yes, yes. those were yeah, idiots yeah. <laughs> so. yes they're, they're idiots but you know what though you can kind of remember these guys and stuff like that this movie 
I have no freaking clue. Besides <laughs> yeah. Daniels, Orem, and Tennessee, there is, you know, kind of the somewhat good-looking girl who's on the ship next to Tennessee, and then her That's his black, wife. yeah, yeah, the, the, her black husband, who, you know, <laughs> but I, I'm not trying to be like that guy, but I'm saying that's how he is. He's the black husband. That's the only thing you're gonna know about him is that that's those two are married. One's white, one's black, and then you go on the, sh- then you go down into the planet, and you got two guys you have a gay who couple. are, yeah. yep, they're gay, mm-hmm. and that's how you know them. They're the gay couple and stuff like that. There's absolutely no archetypes. There's no character development with any of these characters besides Daniels, Orem, and Tennessee. And I'd even take Orem out of there because we'll get into it with him. It's kind of laughable with well, some of the I shit. Mean, he's we does. all know he's going to die, though, because that's one thing I'm going to complain about this movie, too. They blew everything except the decapitation and the very end with the queen fight. They blew everything in the trailers. And I'm like, I know you needed to tease us that we were going to get chest bursters. We were going to get this stuff. But, like, it, that's obviously Billy Crudup getting killed. So I'm just waiting for him to walk in that room the whole time. Not only that, but Ridley Scott was doing interviews and he was fucking just blowing the entire movie about plot points. Yeah. Just completely there. I mean, let's just get into it. David creates, uh, I guess you could say this version of the Xenomorph and uh, Ridley Scott just comes out and says it. And I'm just like, dude, is there just no, um, there's there's lots of things that David does. And I want to talk about David here because what we find out is that this was the planet of the engineers, right? And he, wiped a, I'm them taking out. it as a planet. I'm taking it as a planet because when you get there, you know, it's, it doesn't, it happens in the middle of the movie, but there was like a full scene release before it that was only kind of partially in the movie. Right. They, they seem pretty unadvanced, if you know, to well, quote George Bush here. I don't know if it's like one of their outposts or something, but it's somewhere because that's where he and Shaw were going to go. Were these even engineers though? Because I was watching like it. it they look like it to a point, but you remember the guy from Prometheus. His his you know complexion was very like milky white. You know, well, maybe it it, maybe like, it was because that was the atmosphere he was on. I don't know. He still looked like Triple H. I mean, that was the that was the point. He was the bald Triple H, and they, he wiped yeah. him out with a neutron blast or whatever uh, after unleashing alien hell on them. I mean that this whole to have all of this boiled down to basically a a malformed science experiment. So here's part of this too, that just this messes with you because you start thinking about it. You're like, so wait a minute, the whole time this company has just been going after the science experiment that they created to begin with. They've, the company has always known about the xenomorph. If we're to believe and put this in context with alien aliens, everything else we've known, right? Like, that's what this movie is purporting, and that it was one of the androids that did it. And I want to know when they stopped making androids as, you know, the good-looking, fit British guys and started going with old dudes like <laughs> like um, Ash and, and uh, Lance Hendrickson. Bishop, like when did they when did they change model making? I mean, they did you know ten Chucky films and they make the same damn dolls the same way all the time. So I don't know yeah. when Waylon Utani got got cheap on the effects, but they should have kept the David model. That was a much more likable, relatable thing. I'm gonna take it that when we see Blade Runner 2049, <laughs> that that'll answer that because I just have the strangest feeling that Ridley Scott and his brandy state of drunkenness wants to combine these movies because right now with the way Prometheus and now Covenant has gone he wants to make another Blade Runner movie and I know he's not making it he's like executive producing the new one but it's like why didn't you just make Blade Runner it's like your interest is more upon 
androids and their place of creator versus you know creation oh, ver- you know what completely. i mean it's like yeah he's totally interested in that yeah the play and here's the God, thing though too you, know? you watch the original alien movies the androids are there but they're not the center focus of no, the movies they are just kind of like they yeah they're there as a freaking surprise an alien and alien resurrection surprise like oh this is an android and then aliens was Basically, we're going to take it like you think they're evil. We're going to make a good one. You know what I mean? And right. it's, but but they were never a main player or a main plot point. It was like a B plot for right. both it, of them. It was the side point of things. It was the surprise in both films that one of them was evil and one of them turned out to actually be genuine and real. That was the surprise in those two films was centered around the android, but they were not the focus. You're right. The focus was the crew. And here's the problem. We've never again established interesting characters like Ellen Ripley or any of those Marines or even the prisoners in three, like three, like we talked about three's a mess, but like the assembly cut of three is a watchable movie. You know, there's something, but there's, there. but, but there's, but, but there's, there's a handful. There. There's people. There's a handful. There. Yeah, there's yeah. a handful there. That there's you somebody know. To, even even in Alien Resurrection. As much as I didn't like that movie, and as silly as I think it is, there are characters there. They're caricatures, but they're characters. Like you, you get their motivations and things. I, I don't. I, these people's motivation is to go set up a colony. Now the colony setup idea. I'm going to say, you know what? This is actually kind of neat. I like this. You send people with embryos and stuff. This is kind of like we're going to take the one cool thing in Interstellar, and, and we're going to borrow that idea. We're going to send embryos and like how to plant things. And all that. we're going to send all these couples out there because you got to have people that are already together, so you don't have to worry about wild hooking up. You know, on on the space travel, you don't have a weird sexual tension, and people who like want to be a family and a com a colony together right like the I, I the idea of colonists setting out like pilgrims and stuff like that's neat like i i like that setup idea the fact that they have to like we have to make another stop along the way before we get to LV426 again like immediately i was like oh we're not we're not even going to get there are we and no we're not cuz i so wanted this to get there last time we didn't, and we're not doing it again this time. This time we're we're picking up that familiar distress beacon, which is just a trap from David anyway, right? Because yep. he yep. he knows it, it is. Yep. And let, let's set up the scenario here. So the movie opens up. We got uh, Walter walking around. He's you know kind of you know basically the beginning of the Alien, where we're just doing kind of a slow pan through the ship. But this time we're with Walter, just like in the beginning of Prometheus, how we were with David. Actually, you know what? I skipped the part, Jay. Yeah, you, we had yeah, the beginning skipped, of it. Uh, we had the beginning with yep. Peter with, and it shows how yep. We had uh, <laughs> guy, guy Pierce. Pierce back. Yeah. Yep. He's looking old. <laughs> <laughs> Either that, or they did better makeup this time. But uh, they, uh, you know, he he's sitting there and he meets uh, David for the first time. David awakens and he has David play some you know classical music for him and pour, pour him some tea. And basically, David asks him, you know, if I'm your if you're my creator, who's your creator? And I'm thinking too, I'm like, well, if we're going to get like that technical, it'd technically be his mom and dad. But yeah. if we're going to get like, feel, you know, completely spiritual here, you know, who is it? Is it God? Is it someone else? But yeah, it's just setting up again that David Wayland always treated David kind of like a redheaded stepchild. Even though he was his creation, he was always kind of a kind of an asshole to him. Well, but, <laughs> and, he, but he treated him like his son, like the son he could control. Because remember the thing about Vickers, the Charlize Theron throwaway character, besides not being able to run sideways, she was also like this rebellious daughter thing, right? And so, you know, he didn't give her any kind of love. I think he actually loved David. Now, he ordered him around because he was just an asshole. 
and that's what he knew what he was about. But he he loved this this thing like it was his son, and for all intents and purposes, it is his son. You know, so yeah, you're right. We did miss that though. But then, then we do get into the setup of the covenant, and you're right. It's we see Walter walking around doing stuff, and mm-hmm. but boy, we we don't waste any time, right? We get this huge. Uh, they call it the neutrino burst. It's, it's basically what David is using to wipe out the engineers. It hits the ship and kills James Franco and some other people. That it doesn't matter who they are, right? And so Walter is like, well, it's time to wake everybody up because we're gonna have to get this. But the captain dies when his pod malfunctions. And and that's the thing that if Franco's supposed to be the captain, I have to ask you. I'm like, that's on purpose, right? Like David set that up so that he could cut the head off the snake, and then the leaders weren't as you know didn't have their their person to to rely on. Because you got to figure they trained a long time to get to ready to go on this trip, and if you kill the leader immediately, that puts everybody in chaos. Uh, I don't. I never took it like that. I just took it as just uh, happenstance that. He ended up getting killed, and I think what it was was that then, you know, they put in the, – the reason that the script-wise that they killed the captain is that they were going to put an inexperienced second-in-command in charge who was more worried about how people, you know, essentially felt about him and his, and his, uh, and his uh, you know – commands than actually doing his job i mean at first they kind of show him where he's like you know you guys got to go out here we can't mourn this guy we got to get going but then one of the side characters who i don't even know who it is maybe his wife kind of was like oh these people are going to be your neighbors one day and then that's when they get the distress call from um essentially what we turn out is shaw singing some uh you know john denver song and yeah, they, which they, is they, weird they, okay okay jay <laughs> going to a distant planet what is the worst what is the worst motivation for that cave paintings or a John Denver song? I, I just have to throw that out there. Gosh, I don't know. Like the fact that, the, I mean, I get the, the John Denver, at least the John Denver <laughs> song has a haunting, like weirdness to it. The cave paintings, like, like we talked about last time, they could have been saying, don't go there for all we knew. They were, of course they look like they had been drawn last week. I'll say this. There's nobody in this crew that says, useless or dumb as that biologist geologist or that uh the the character logan marshall green played who was was uh shaw's better half or other half yeah yeah the poor man's tom hardy yes. yeah that that guy there's nobody in the crew that's that like contemptible that i just ugh, i hate but well, I, I like the still? fact though that that there is a bit of mutiny under Orem, who just assumes you know control, because it in line of secession that is his job. But you know what? That's another. This is another friggin' Star Wars Force Awakens thing here. It's a callback because remember when they go down to the planet in Alien and they come back and and um, not Ash, uh, Kane has the thing on his face and Ripley's you know in command and she's like, no quarantine, no. I'm in charge. Dallas is off the ship. I'm in charge. And Lambert overrides it along with Ash because they break the chain of command. I'm like, it's the same thing again. Like Ripley's wanted to play the greatest hits for everybody with a new band. It's like if you go watch whatever iteration of Van Halen's out there right now, you ain't watching the good Van Halen. All right. You're just hearing a group calling themselves Van Halen trying to play those songs. Yep. No, exactly. I mean, this is kind of like a greatest hits of Alien Prometheus for some reason. And then aliens aliens, throughout the movie. And there is some of like Alien 3's dread throughout here as well. But yeah, I mean, so they want it to be. That's the thing. They want it to be, but they have none of the atmosphere that 
none of this looks like anything like what Fincher shot and, and what they were doing. Like it's, it's so much more aliens and Prometheus than, than anything the way it looks And the score too. The score is so Prometheus to me. It's just it feels like they just reused it. Well, and then, then they brought in a lot of the musical cues from alien in here. Oh, I mean, yeah. it's like, because again, almost... like force awakens, like, member berries. I remember that. Yeah. I mean, I swear, <laughs> man, the, the South park guys are onto something like movies have been yeah. doing this to us and we're just now realizing it. Yeah. So they, they, they get this distress call and the captain basically is like, okay, we're going to go down there. So they go down there and are just, you know, kind of exploring it and everything like that. And all of a sudden there's like these little like crunchable, uh, like formations on the ground where it infects two of the, uh, people that are down there exploring. And like what it is, is almost like a mist that goes up into the air and goes inside their body. Yeah. It's alien spore. Yeah. I mean, I, I was watching that and I was getting like war of the worlds, the Steven Spielberg one that I hate that you love you know, vibe off of it. I, you know, Le- Leopard and Hallett are the ones that get inadvertently affected. Well, I got to bring this up, though, too. I remember one of the biggest complaints about Prometheus is like, okay, you got these scientists and they're going to this strange world and they're they're wearing space suits in the beginning and then they take off their helmet because they're yeah. like, oh, it's breathable and stuff like this. I think Rid- this is like kind of like an F you to the audience from Ridley where he's like, they're not even going to bring down space helmets here. Okay. They, I don't this care. This whole movie is fa- like that. This whole movie feels like Ridley going, all right, you wanted it, you got it. Screw yourself. I mean, you look at like Alien and Aliens. Yeah. It's just – it made sense. It was like an alien. They're down there. They're wearing spacesuits, everything I, like that. You know, they got out of here. And aliens, it was like, yeah. we're not going to we, – we can't have the Marines in spacesuits. You know what I mean? It's well, just not going to work. I, so you know what we're going to do? They terraformed the planet and made it breathable right. and stuff like that. And Great it's like, okay, I can yeah. – yep, I can go with that. I can go with that. But they go down to this planet again and there's just like – there's no talk about like, oh, yeah, it's breathable air. and We did an analysis and there's no germs or microorganisms. OK, I, I've, you know, I, I've read stuff on like time travel, how it's like, hey, you know what? If there was a thing as time travel and you went back 200 years, you would probably die because of the germs and the conditions of that area. Even the food that you would eat, your body would not be able to adapt to it that yeah. quick. And you would freaking either get very, very sick or you would die. And it's just like. Again, it's just like we're going to go down to a planet. I mean, it's Star Wars logic here, but the thing is, though, Star Wars is fantasy. This is science fiction, and where is the science? Well, I'm just not – again, not, I'm just not seeing it. Yeah, there's no science. This is fiction, science. horror. The first 30 minutes magic, of this movie – Magic, The magic, first 30 minutes magic. of this movie wants to be a sci-fi movie. The last two-thirds of it want to be a friggin' horror movie. And that's all it is. It's it it turns into a horror movie, and that can work. Like there are good sci-fi horror movies. Alien, good example. There are other ones. You know, I mean, Event Horizon is a good sci-fi horror movie. You know, like it's a little underappreciated in some ways, but I like it. I think it works well. You know, um, you could even stretch and say the first Matrix is a little bit of a horror movie. That that's horrific to think about. You know, in some ways, it's more actiony, but it's a sci-fi horror you know, landscape. Uh, but this movie lo- wants to be everything at once, and it's like it's on caffeine the whole time. And that's the other thing, too. God, I don't know why Ridley is obsessed with this friggin' shaky cam thing. Every time we have a fight scene, it's like every movie does this now, but he does it so bad. I'm like, just set the thing still. If it looks that bad, don't put it on screen. And that's the other thing, too, like, could you tell when they were doing CGI aliens versus people in suit aliens? Because it was pretty obvious to me. 
Yeah, yeah, it, it was. I mean, the CGI in this movie was pretty obvious throughout. Yeah. But, yeah, it's just, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to harp on it and stuff like that. I get it that, you know, a lot of movies like this come out and we just kind of give it the benefit of the doubt. It's just something that the first Alien movie went to great lengths to set up as far as how these people are going to act and, you know, common sense decisions and, you know, for emotional versus, you know, going by the book and, it just seems like it's just like, hey, we're just gonna we're, we're just gonna totally ignore that aspect of you know the first two movies, even the first three movies, and just kind of like, hey, this is just gonna be, you know, we're gonna mix a lot of fantasy and magical shit into here, and it just mm-hmm. to me, it just it doesn't stick. I mean, even like, again, we're bring let's bring up the point with you know these spores get into their bodies and create this gigantic life form, and I'm just like, that I don't know, it's just sense. It's, how did that six foot five thing erupt from that you know five ten man? This is, that yeah. is so ridiculous. I mean, it's neat. The neomorph is kind of cool. Like, I'm not going to lie. The white alien, like, that's kind of neat. I'm like, well, that's that's better than that shark fin thing that we had last time. It's a much better version of that. But And I like the way that it mauls people to death. And, you know, you've got the one person who's trying to shoot it and hits the gas tank. I'm like, that's like Jaws 2, lady. I know you've seen that. You know, <laughs> if you haven't, shame on you because you just blew everybody up. So there goes the damn lander and, you know, a bunch of the cast, right? Because that's how this goes. But, yep. but And then you have another one come from the dude's throat to kill him. The the problem is, is like they, they keep playing with the, the, how fast these alien life forms mature and there's no consistency to it. It's like, you know, an alien that took time for that little shrimp looking rabbit to become the full alien, right? We've never really known the actual lifespan time. We just know it's not like immediate, Right. And mm-hmm. sometimes they come out and they're ready to go. And sometimes eh, they're kind of small and look like puppets on a string and doing the Michigan J frog dance, you know, and then <laughs> other times they're not, you know, it's, it's so inconsistent. And I'm like, this is like AVP again, you know, did, did no one think, or is this what we're supposed to say is that it's so out of control, this experiment that you never get consistent results. Like if that's what they're trying to say, I, I needed David to say that or somebody else scientifically motivated to go, this is insane. You can never control like morphing that alien organism with humans because they're not compatible. I don't care what the damn DNA scan says. Well, my, my, my other thing too is okay. Like when these neomorphs, like there's, you know, when one of the guys gets infected, he gets brought back to the ship and, you know, they open up the med bay and this woman, did she purposely lock that door or is yes. that by accident? Yeah, no, no, she totally quarantines them inside that med bay. That's the one thing. That's the difference is Ferris is like, no, we are quarantining. And like they go along with it. Like that's part of the gig and nobody argues. So she did it on purpose. Yeah, well, the, the one woman was arguing, though, pretty quick, though, when the things yeah. started bursting out, and she wanted out. I'm thinking, I'm just like, man, just let her out. But even if you did, I mean, that thing got out, obviously. But it didn't matter, I guess, yeah. So. I guess I just my, – my question, though, too, is – and this is one of my problems with Alien 3 is you watch the, the first Alien, and the Alien gets out, and I always took it as like it was – it killed the first couple people because the people were hunting it. It was a reaction from it for survival. In Aliens, it wasn't killing people. It was cocooning them to basically continue its – you know, continue breeding them and you know, continuing more. Well, they were fighting Alien a battle. 3, like that, yes. That's what they were doing, yeah. But but in this one, it's like – and like you know, this thing of like Alien 3 and Aliens where it's like it's just going to kill you and stuff like that. And I'm just like – 
okay, is, is it, you know, are we going back? Is this eating it? Is stuff like that? Because it seems like it's just wanting to kill him just to kill him. And oh, again, I'm it's people. So, I'm so glad you pe- said that, man, because it, it, we have changed the motivation of these aliens so long ago that they are just killing machines. But you are dead on right. Those first two films, these were just instinctual insects. They just were protecting home and just trying to stay alive. You know, and, and look, I, you know, I'm I'm not one to you know totally defend and you, you know all these uh, uh, different creatures and things like that, like they're humans or whatever. But if you are crazy enough to go and get in the way of alligators and sharks and then act surprised when one of them tries to nibble on you because it doesn't know what you are, you're just not paying attention to the world. You know, that's just the way we. This is the way it is. You know, if you go into something else's habitat. It's going to defend itself the same way you would in yours. These things, though, operate like again, like friggin' mass murdering machines. Like they're just they're predators. Yeah. They're, they act like the predator does. That somewhere along the way, we decided that the alien had the same motivation as the predator from the predator movies, and it's a killing. You know, instinct is to murder and kill when its real instinct is just survival. Was well, at least from yeah. the original film, right? Yeah, it, it is. And it, I know I, I look at like, you know, a lot of classic sci-fi monster movies where it's like, let's look at the thing. Mm-hmm. It wasn't killing people to kill people. It was growing. It was trying to survive. It was taking over people to basically get the other people so it could keep on taking over them. You know, even Jaws, the shark eats to eat. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's It's got to eat to have nourishment to continue going on. Well, it swims, and, eats, and makes little sharks. That's, that was the yeah, line. It's exactly. a great line. And that's all it Ex- does. Exactly. And it's like those are intelligent horror movies where it's like it knows, you know, that the monster has um, a reasonable motivation to be doing what it's doing, whether it's instinctual nature or just trying to survive. And when we start turning things into just like it's going to kill the kill and then not now suddenly we're in Jason's territory Mm -hmm. where it's like it's just going to kill the kill. And it's just like this series was better than that. It It was. was. It was. But it's. It, that boat has sailed so long ago, though, man, that I'm not surprised this is happening. And we're getting, like, gory stuff this time, too. I'm like, man, they haven't gone gory in an alien movie like this since AVP Requiem. Like, that, you know, most of them, even Resurrection, which had a lot of killing in it and stuff, was pretty classic and almost a little stylized. It was it was a little tongue-in-cheek, you know? Uh, the, you know, the first two films weren't gory at all. They were friggin' atmospheric and scary. This movie is gross i mean there's throat popping and back breaking and blood and decapitation and i mean we get everything it is jason it is like the bloodiest friggin jason movie you can think of well even even in alien okay we had the chest burster scene gross but that was to shock you know what yeah. i mean that was like we're, we're gonna celebrate in the mood but when it killed brett no gore when it killed you know dallas no gore when it killed uh, dallas and lambert very little gore yeah. was involved there's, there's in that. It's almost nothing. A, yeah, it's it was I mean, all you can, you, music and shots. It was it was I, it was artistic. I mean, my, my minus thing like airbrushing Sigourney Weaver's butt crack in the end of the movie. You could basically play that movie on regular you know TV without any edits in it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, yeah. Sa- and same with Aliens. I mean, it's just like why those movies are rated R was, of course, you know, the language, but then also the you know how it made you feel and how tense it was. It wasn't that it was over the top gory and even alien three wasn't over the top gory at all. Okay. You got a couple of the second mouth shots, 
you know, skulls cracking for a couple frames, blood, and then that was it. And this one is like, these guys are vomiting up buckets of blood and yeah. everything like that. And I'm just like, again, this movie, this series, I, at least I always felt was better than that. Well, you know what? It started out better than that. But let's be honest, Nick. It hasn't been better than that for a long time. Resurrection it, was a cheese fest. AVP and AVPR were abortive attempts at crossovers and just cash grab action craziness. And and AVPR in particular was supposed to be this hard R by a couple of effects dudes who are you know millionaires for being effects dudes, and that's what they did. They showed off gory effects. Prometheus had a lot of gore in it too. You know, it was mostly alien goo gore and stuff like that, but there was a lot of gore. I mean, the first two minutes we see somebody disintegrate. We see a humanoid thing disintegrate from the DNA all the way out. And we get a lot of kills and things like that. And we see, we see a friggin' uh, abortion done by machine. I mean, you can't get any gross, right? Until the, and then this movie is just like, well, we're just going to chop everybody's face off and linger on the blood. It's not like Rob Zombie, like rub your face in it, Gore. You know, it's not like that, that make you uncomfortable. It's just like you look at it and I'm with you. I'm like, this is, wasn't this better than this? I guess this is where we are now, though. We're just, you know, it's Attitude Era and we're just going to show our butts and say suck it and cut each other. Like, this is, we're getting color all over this thing and scream <laughs> And all over the and I'm well, I'm so glad this wasn't in 3D or something because I can just imagine all that crap just flying at me or something. I'm so glad I didn't go and see that this time. I saw Prometheus in 3D and it, for like a couple of those scenes, it was worth it. It was so beautiful. It was the, that map room and all that stuff. This, I'm like, oh, I'm so glad this was 2D because that would have been horrible, right? So we get we get though what goes on because the remaining crew members are, are trying to radio covenant for help, right? The people that are on the the ground and they get killed by more neomorphs, right? You know, that's, this is what's happening. And Walter loses a hand saving Daniels. And this is something that's interesting. Walter has like Logan blood in him, right? Because he can regenerate from healing. He gets stabbed in the throat or so in the chin and it like grows the, the wound back, but he doesn't grow a hand back this time around. Or is he just not around yeah. long enough to see the hand grow back? You see, I guess this technology was stopped when alien actually came out because Thank of course, you. you know, when, uh, when, when Ash got his head knocked off and stuff like that, he was blooding up and shooting stuff out pretty good. And, you know, Bishop, I guess those are more significant wounds per se, but we've never seen this like automatic, uh, healing regeneration in any of the other movies, even like call. I mean, didn't she get like a gunshot wound to herself? And like, yes, she had like she... a big milky opening and stuff. And <laughs> yes, then like, and, and Ripley fingered her milky hole. Let's just say it. So yeah, I mean, look, yeah, there was all kinds of like wounds, but and she couldn't heal from it. Like they had to bandage her up. You know. Yeah. Again, this is just more. Like I said, you got to take these two movies as like it's it's a new thing because just so much of this stuff is not adding up to what the original ones are. And again, you know, you can sit there and go, "Well, come on, man. You know, you're trying to tell a story here, and of course things are going to change." But it's like, you know what? Ridley Scott made the first one. Yeah, you know what the, I mean? That's and the it's thing like is, is is if you're trying to tell a side story to what already exists, that's one thing. But what follow the rules you set up. Yeah, what follow the rules you set up. Yeah, but what you're telling me and you're telling your audience is this is what led us to that ship on LV426 with the giant thing with the chest bursted out of it and that layer full of eggs, which meant there was a queen involved, there was you know all this like 
that's what we know from the first two movies. And you're telling us you're going to tell us how we got there. As misguided as a lot of the prequel stuff in the Star Wars films was, those first three Star Wars films, we've talked about it. George Lucas led us up to where he wanted us to be before we got to A New Hope. Right. And, and and even look, even back at Rogue One, and we didn't talk about this on a review of it, but it hit me the last time I watched Rogue One. It's like, wait a minute. Darth Vader comes out and is a freaking samurai and wipes out all these rebels. And like 25 minutes later, he can barely walk. <laughs> like, wait, what happened? Did he like get zapped? Did he get shot? Did we miss it. You know, again, you don't play by your own rules. You're creating something cool. That again, in the moment, kind of works. But if I apply any thought to it, if I try to connect this to the rest of its organism, to carry the metaphor here, it doesn't fit. It doesn't work. Um, and look, all of this is David's fault, you know, like or or his doing, right? Like we find out because he tells this great lie about. How? Well, we got we got we got to set up though how David got there though. So they're yeah. getting they're getting they're getting attacked by mm-hmm. a bunch of other neomorphs. I don't know where these other ones came from. I guess from the engineers or whatever population was left there. Yeah, so I yeah, guess it, it creates it this. Yeah. Yeah. And so he comes there, shoots a flare, scares them off, and brings them back to his lair where he's like, "Hey, I'm David, and you know, basically, I was you know the guy on the Doom Prometheus ship that no one knows what happened to, and." Yeah, so he's you know starts getting into a little bit of backstory on stuff and everything. So blah blah blah. How, how long was? How long is it between Prometheus and Covenant here? I missed it. If they said, uh, I was thinking like ten years. It might have been. Yeah, I was, it's got to have been a, a significant enough time that one they can make the advancements that they've made in the David model, but also that people know that Wayland is is dead. Peter Whalen is dead. You know, they figured that out. That they know Prometheus was lost. They don't, you know, have anything. What did you make of his lie though? That he he tells them that when they arrived, that it accidentally released a bioweapon that killed the native population and the ship crashed, and that's what killed Shaw. Which is not what happens, right? Like I took it as she fixed him and he killed her so he could have a human to experiment on. Well, yeah, that's exactly, I think, what happened was that he, I think he essentially admits to it that he ends up killing her. You know, he ends up wanting to experiment on her and everything. They don't really explain how the ship crashed. I don't know. To me, I I take it as, you know, this is me reading between the lines that after they killed all the engineers or something like that, he woke Shaw up and she saw what he did and tried to pilot the ship out of there or something. And there was a struggle between them and they ended up crashing the ship and there. Then he ended up killing her because he felt like, you know, she betrayed him or something like that. And then he ended up, you know, we find out that he experimented on her. And and that's a horrific looking thing too. I mean, they talk about something that's just gross like that. Whatever's left of Shaw that we see in that, that scene that is so grotesque. Yeah, I don't even – this whole thing is like – But it's not know, grotesque so, like Giger grotesque was. Like I want to make that clear. Like you know how Giger stuff was really grotesque looking? But it, it was cool too because it was so biomechanical, right? Like this just looks like the science experiment gone wrong. Like, Or if you remember back to high school when you had to work on the frog and like it had been open for a few days, that's kind of what it looked like. It was like yeah, – it was really – the formaldehyde was gone. It was bad. Yep, and – yeah, it was just gross. Are we to take it that, you know, we, we later find out, I mean, not much really happens here. I mean, they're all kind of like going back and forth and everything. And then um, 
uh, you know, the, char- the characters are kind of exploring these caves, and one of the people is killed by a uh, rogue neomorph that comes in there, and the captain ends up killing it, and then, like, David takes the captain down to his lair, which, again, again, stupid people doing stupid things. Yeah, I mean, okay, he tricks so- him in there, and, like, that, again, the scene I was looking for, and I'm like, when he walked through the door, I'm like, oh, here's where Billy Crudup's going to get it, you know, yeah, because it's you like, know it. You just witnessed one of your crew members, or you saw that one of your crew members was killed by this thing, and then how David was freaking out that you killed it, and then you're just like, hey, I'm going to follow him and not really, you know, ask, you know, too many questions about really what the fuck's your deal, man. I mean, I get that he did kind of ask him, like, you know, what's going on, but it's like to follow him into his lair is just dumb. To me, it would be like, okay, I'm going to shoot him blow him apart or I'm going to say screw you and go get the rest of the crew and tell them what exactly happened. Exactly. I kill the thing that decapitates my you know, fellow crew member here and you lose your stuff over it. Well, clearly you're way too connected to that. I've got another Android who by the way can heal himself. So bump you. And I mean, really that's what you do. You shoot the thing. Like even the first predator movie, which is kind of dumb or, or sort of more like jockish you know it's just guns and muscles and all this stuff dutch would have blown him away (laughs) and been like whatever and well let's well let's take a look at this in aliens as soon as after ripley and newt are almost you know taken down by the facehugger and stuff like that what do they do it was freaking burke let's ice this motherfucker right now i mean yeah hudson wanted to shoot him on the spot and then hicks is even like yeah we're gonna kill him no offense you know (laughs) and i mean like they were all about like nuke it from orbit screw this yes that and that is the correct response this isn't even where we're supposed to be i want to be dante from clerks we're not even supposed to be here (laughs) obviously this is a bad idea let's leave but we've got to explore the lair so we get the face hugger of course. Well, yeah, but he goes in there and there's these eggs. So what does the captain do? Let's look directly into one as it opens up. I mean, it's just like you see that stuff and it's just like, I'm out of here. You know right. what I mean? It's just like that's, you, that's you, not going to work. Yeah. But it, it leads us, though, that David is, you know, he, cause he tried to communicate with the Neomorph. And this is where we learn that, no, he actually is released all this crap on him and has been working on it. And he's got this incubation chamber because he wants to see, well, the Neomorph is what happens when this alien black goo stuff that we still don't know what it is, caviar or whatever, it, it comes from an engineer. What happens when I get it in a human? You know, because whatever he did with Shaw, obviously that didn't work out too well. So he. Well, I you know. I was trying to do some like you know, again Ridley, if you're gonna shock us, you know, would have been great though. Is like you remember from Prometheus how Shaw was unable to conceive kids. Right. Right. That was one of the plot points there was that she was unable to, you know, give birth, and that was the whole thing about her, you know, giving birth or whatever to that squid thing. It's like. What if like David had used like her like eggs inside of her to actually create these eggs or something, and it was like, hey, she finally was able to actually create life. Hey, you know what I mean? Been, that would have been awesome. That, and again, yeah. that could have been two lines, and I would have bought it. it. I think it would have been a nice like, oh fuck, you know, yeah. moment where it's just like, you know, like wow, okay, you got some balls here for actually going there. But again, they they don't do it. But okay, so the captain gets a face hugger on his face, and like. I thought this was kind of funny where David's kind of, as he's laying there, 
uh, you know, with the thing just sitting inside of him, he's like throwing peanuts at him. And I just yeah. was like, that is just so random. It was funny. But, but, that's, but, I was just but like, that's David, though, because we watch what he did, you know, in the beginning of Prometheus. And then even the way he did stuff, like when he stirred the drink for uh, Shaw's man, you know, to, to infect him with the goo or whatever. He's he's always been like this smarmy asshole. You know, <laughs> I mean, this is what he is. And he does, he clearly does not care. It, who's getting killed he just wants to see what happens and that's the thing for me is i don't understand is david just running experiments just because he wants to learn or is it that whole bit where he gets out later with walter and he talks about no you can be a creator too like he learned how to be a creator and this is him just getting off on that like artificial intelligence just enjoys that kind of jolly i guess i think it's just you know getting back to you know prometheus and like the creators created humans because they could mm-hmm. whalen created david because he could i guess david's creating the stuff because he can well i, mean, I, mean, I guess he, that's he, kind he of the said, whole point. how disappointed would you be if you met your creator and that's what they told you and it's almost like he's trying to go the next level i don't know but i guess we're at the point now where we got to talk about the walter and david scene or aka michael fassbender makes out with himself because yeah that it's, is okay. Is is that no, supposed to shock me and make it weird? Because I'm like, not really seen it. Yeah, I feel like yeah, James Bond Inspector. Who says that's my first time seeing that, Ridley? Yeah, when did David become like I got to kiss someone before I like kill him or like betray him? And that was a weird character thing. But one thing I actually did want to bring up, and I just actually dawned on me today, was like, if you look at the producers of the Alien series, it was David Giller and Walter Hill. Mm-hmm. Obviously, David and Walter. It was a you know call. Obviously, it's a call back to them. Maybe kind of an maybe kind of a slap in the face, <laughs> considering it's like David wants to create something just to you know what I mean, just to well, destroy it or something. I don't I, know. It's, no, there, they're, still, be, they're, they're still involved in this. So I guess it is a callback. It's, it's a nod to them, but I don't know. I mean, they have that whole both playing the flute thing and it's like it's all in the finger you handle the blowing i handle the fingering and i gotta admit i was like oh that's a terrible line but did you get it did you get a laugh when he said i chuckled i i'm gonna not i'm i'm gonna admit yes i'm a eighth grader i chuckled at it i was like ha ha you know and then i was i felt bad about it immediately but i was like well yep that served its purpose i chuckled at it you know the same the same way i chuckled at like when poe dameron's looking at kylo ren that first time he's like who talks first you talk first or i talk first you know like i chuckled at that and then i felt stupid about it later but i still laughed at it i mean it 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 got a reaction out of me so it's the only bit of levity in this whole film though this film is just friggin gore action to the wall for two-thirds of it so at least they had a moment of slowing it down just a just a second but all it is is so that david can disable walter and it's supposed to set up this ending that we are supposed to be surprised that David figures out how to look like Walter or whatever, except if you pay attention, he's not healing the same way. So I'm like, I never for once thought that was Walter on the ship. I thought David had just maybe turned good for a second, yeah. but nope. So no, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I want to, I want to get back though to like, you know, we got the captain who's impregnated and like he wakes up and what did he say to David? It was like something like, again, like the captain, I don't think we really, you know talked about this too much was that he's very religious that's like his big yes. thing is that he's religious you know he makes comments like i have to tend to my flock you know, flock and he's, everything he's like that he's scientific and he's a man of faith so he's kind of like shaw's father i guess if you wanted to say like he's supposed to be that mixed because shaw was the same way she was religious and also a science person she made a big deal about that so i guess he's supposed to be the same kind of thing 
Yeah, same type of thing. But it's like he wakes up and it's not even like, what the hell did you do to me or whatever? It's like he's got to talk about like faith again. And it's just like, okay, yeah, just get this guy off the screen. And I, luckily the xenomorph comes out. And I, what did you make of this scene? Like the, the alien bursts out of his chest. So he puts his hands up and then the alien gets up and does like jazz hands. No, it, like he bows up on him. I was like, <laughs> when have we ever seen an alien do any like never have the the only one that's ever done anything close to that was the freaky Ripley's clones kid thing at the end of Alien Resurrection when it wanted a hug. Bumped yeah, did it that. was very strange. I guess yeah. we can always take this that this xenomorph is not the one that we know that this is like some type of David's creation or something. But still, it was. Oh, well, okay. Can I can I give you another read of it? I think Crudup's holding his hands out in like the Christ pose, basically. And if we're to take anything from these things that they are a version and a replicated version of the thing that they burst from in some way, like it maintains some of its characteristics, you know, like we've talked about that before. It's been set up in the universe. Then maybe this alien's like, okay, we'll do that. You know, and that's just what it does. I think that's what it's supposed to be. I'll be honest with you, but it doesn't, doesn't work. Like I, I wasn't thinking about that at the time. I thought, what what is he doing? Does he want to lock up? Does he want to hug? What, what is that? What if I ever seen an alien bow up on somebody? Like that is so weird. It, it was just, yeah. It was really off putting, and I think because again, it, with everything they're doing here, they couldn't have set that up in some way. Couldn't even had David say some of that kind of stuff. Like again, that's that's simple dialogue. That's exposition. This movie's full of it, and they can't get anything that's like remotely useful in there like that. Uh, but I mean, this is a badass xenomorph, though, man. I mean, it boy, it matures quick and it starts ambushing folks. You know, we got more yeah. face huggers jumping around. We're killing people. I mean, it's Looney Tunes. Yeah, yeah. There's you know the crews. You know, one guy gets a face hugger on him for like five seconds, and we'll get yeah, again, into it a little timing, bit more later. The timing of these things is makes no sense at all. Because yeah, uh, I'm just. I'm just like kind of to the point where it's like if you can implant an egg in you in like five seconds and a thing can gestate in like 15 minutes, what's even the point of having a fucking face hugger? It's like just have the alien come out of the big egg or something like that because it's just like it's just like pop, pop, done. And it's just like that's not the way this should work. There should be a little bit of like, again, science and actually to this instead of magic. But yeah, so we, we, we get the new Xenomorph, who's a little bit more streamlined than the ones that we know. You know, it's not as mechanical looking as the other ones. And, you know, it's jumping around like a puma and like killing everybody. And uh, Daniels ends up, you know, getting out of there with uh, one of the guys who got a little bit of acid on his face, who had the face hugger on him for like five seconds. Hello. And then yeah. the, uh, Tennessee, um, there's a whole plot with Tennessee trying to get the ship down closer to the earth. So, you know, because or this planet, because there was a storm coming down, they couldn't land the ship that, to rescue everybody. I so. will say again, another shot ruined by the trailer, that xenomorph jumping on the front of the glass. And like, what yep. the hell is that? Like, like, that was good. Like, I hate that that got ruined in the trailer for me because that was such a good shot. Like that looked cool. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's cool. He brings on like this basically like a transportation vehicle and he picks up Daniels and the other guy. And even before this, though, we get Walter who turns himself back. Yeah, on he does Terminator, too. He reroutes yep. his power. <laughs> and I yep. was like, wow, we're just going to rip James Cameron off all the way. Yep. So then we get the Mortal Kombat scene where him and David are fighting <laughs> and Walter ends up beating the shit out of him. And he has a rock over him ready to smash his head. And then we see David reaching for a knife and then that's it. And then like two minutes later we see who we told is Walter coming out of there. But it turns out it's David 
And, you know, at the end of the movie, that's the twist. But to me, it's like, okay, within like those two minutes, David was able to kill Walter, steal his suit, go back, get some alien embryos that he swallows, comb his hair so it looks like Walter, and then get out there. Yeah, so look, that's, yeah, that, no, that's that, pretty efi- – that's, that, that's efficient, man. You know, yeah, I that, normally <laughs> – I, I need like 20 minutes in the morning to get ready on like a really, really good day if I'm running late. He's able to do that like in 90 seconds. So I, for- I had to go to work this morning, okay? I had to be there at 6 a.m. the day we were recording this. I got up at 5.41, and I was there at 6.03. So I'm the same way, about 20 minutes to, like, get dressed, get my stuff on, and drive the 10 minutes I had to drive to get to work. And and I'm I'm watching – I'm looking at this, and I'm going, like, this. there's no twist to this. You said this is a twist. This is not a surprise. I just thought – Maybe they like melded together and like the good of Walter got into David's circuits or something. I don't know. Like, because again, it cuts away and I'm like, that's so stupid. And the thing is that gets me about that is if you're going to do that, if you're going to try to pull that cheap trick, Ridley, give me a flashback where we see how he, how he got away from Walter and killed him. Like, show me how he did it. Like, you showing me everything else. You can't show me how he did it, even as a flashback on the, the ship after we know it. Or whatever, like I, I needed that, and don't tell me that's on the cutting room floors work. Because I'm tired of Ridley Scott movies that have to have extra editions when they're released. Well, what about this? What if it was Walter actually? You know, what if they did it where Walter actually killed David, but David said something to him in the end, like you know something about you know turned him. In other words, yeah, kind of like influenced them. Where Walter was like, you know, maybe David's correct or something like that. He takes up David's mission. That would have been in cool. the end. Yeah, in the that. end. In the end, it's Walter, you know, coughing up the xenomorph thing, and it's like, oh boy, wh- you know, what, did he what say happened here? Well, yeah, okay, what th- happened? Think about it like Why- this. We're going to play this whole faith metaphor or whatever. That's the story of Saul to Paul. You have this guy who's persecuting and murdering Christians who then encounters Jesus on the road to go murder some Christians, and all of a sudden he becomes like the most prolific preacher of the Gospels, you know, of, of the Word, you know, and building the church in the first century. Why not have something like that where we find out how David turned him? That would have been much cooler than switcheroo Scooby-Doo, which is what we get. Yeah. Yeah, I think it would have been much more powerful to have it be where, you know, David was able to take a creation and mold it into, you know, finishing up his work or something like that. I think it would have been much more poetic for this movie to have that as opposed to like, oh, big switcheroo that really doesn't make any logistical sense at all from it. But anyway, so anyway, so it's it's David Walter that gets onto the ship, uh, the guy who's uh, impregnated that we later find out in Daniels of Tennessee uh, flying it. And then the xenomorph gets on there and we get the big action scene of Daniels fighting the xenomorph. And basically they, you know, that was Tennessee right out of Aliens third act, man. That was that was the Ripley on the ship versus the Queen again. Yeah, but what I hated about that was that it was like two minutes long. Like that that is a cool looking shot of that queen on top of the ship, and then it's just like mm, let me get that big claw arm and squish you. The end. And I'm like, that sucks. I wanted a better fight than that. Yeah, it was super quick. And so after they crush the alien with this big uh, crane claw, they end up getting back up to the ship and everything seems all calm, but then all suddenly Dun, dun, nope, there's something going on in the ship. And then, the, of course, we get the uh, Lambert and Parker 
uh, kind of death again. Yep. Where, yes. Yep. Yeah. We had the two mm-hmm. couples there and they're making out in the shower and the alien appears behind it. And, you know, you get the uh, the tail going up between the female's legs and it you know, ends up mouthing through the uh, husband, you know, the guy in his, you know, his face. And then he ends Again, up killing that, the that other female. That feels like a Jason kill, though. How many times has Jason killed couples together in the shower, in the bed? Pool. It does, but but to me, but to me, it was such like okay, we're doing the alien thing again. Because even then, after that, we have Daniels comes down there and she sees the dead bodies and it's like, oh my god, you know, same exact thing happened in Alien. Yeah, exactly, it's the same thing, but they go for the same answer too. They just you know Walter Tennessee and or Walter David Tennessee and Dallas corner the xenomorph in the bay and flush it into space. And this is what's amazing about this is David has learned don't freak out when they kill your alien. You know, pet. Just okay. It's cool because I've got two more here, and I've got these two idiots, and it's not going to matter. You know, like yeah. that's. I mean, that's that's the interesting part is he doesn't lose his stuff the way he did when the neomorph got killed by Orum earlier. It's like he's learned something, and they flush it out into space again. And I'm like, what? Well, like you said, seen that before? You know, <laughs> I was like, what? Well, I, that was like the same shot reused. It was, it was. Of course, we're gonna flush the alien out like the like the first two movies, and even the fourth one where it has the window abortion of the alien sucking <laughs> on the space. But to me, I think David here, if we can think about this logically, I think he wanted them to get rid of that alien. And the reason being is we've seen in the other movies that the alien doesn't distinguish between people and androids so much it will kill them i mean the alien queen did it the bishop and you know the aliens were attacking call and you know alien you know four so i mean to have dallas or not dallas sorry tennessee and daniels get killed what would have david done with the alien on the ship he couldn't just leave it in there just to roam around because you know thing may attack him it may decide to like okay well i'm gonna start preying on those two thousand you know colonists that are yeah or the embryos or whatever it might just you know fuck shit up really bad on the ship exactly. and they end up crashing so to me it was like i think he wanted him to kill it because it's the you know means for the end you know he's he's got to be able to get that ship into you know flight mode to get over to this new planet because of course in the end tennessee goes into hyperspace and then we have daniels talking to who she presumes as walter and there's this whole subplot you know not even like not even a subplot but just like a mention in the beginning of the movie that her and James Franco's goal was when they get to this new planet, they wanted to make a log cabin on a lake. And she asks Walter, she's like, oh, can you, uh, you know, when we get there, are you going to help me build the cabin? And he doesn't know what she's talking about. And then she realizes, oh, my God, this isn't Walter. This is David. She starts screaming as she ends up passing out in the uh, hypersleep as it, you know, the puts gas. her to sleep. Yeah. Yep. And then Walter starts walking around and tells mother to open up the doors and it starts playing the uh, – you know, that classical song mm-hmm. from the beginning that he played to Wayland as he walks through and <laughs> vomits up two alien embryos, which again, okay, if we're going to, he was smart enough to put the alien embryos inside of them, inside little capsules that he knew would exactly fit into the slots that the people were keeping human embryos. Right. I just was kind of like. My God, that's that's a lot to swallow. That's a lot to swallow. I guess guess you could you could figure. I mean, let's just play it out here. I'm not saying this is the way it should be, but just to play the how this works. If we're to understand that he took out Walter or whatever, he probably downloaded everything Walter knew about the ship into his memory banks. Because how hell else would he know how to do anything? 
this is know, way beyond his. So that makes sense that like he would know that information. He's like, oh, okay. Well, oddly enough, these fit. But hey, go back to Prometheus. We're all the same DNA anyway. So <laughs> apparently, it's it doesn't matter. But so. again, it would have made it would have made more sense if that was actually Walter. You know what I mean? Yes, I agree. In the end, yes, yeah. It it's just to me, it's just like again, how did he do that in ninety seconds? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I said, he was able to change, comb his hair, go get these embryos, and you know, I guess he had face hugger embryos that were. It's just so much to swallow. It, <laughs> it just, is. It, look, before we give thoughts about where this is going and things like that, let's wrap this up. Popcorn ratings on Alien Covenant. I'm going to tell you my – I never get to go first. I'm going first this time, damn it. I'm going to tell you right now, like I said in the beginning, looks like Prometheus, much more interesting of a story. It's stupid. It's a lot of fun to look at, but it's gory. It's, it's not what this series – deserves and it's not the best it's been by far okay just put that out there but this is far more rewatchable than prometheus i mean not even close like i tried to rewatch prometheus again before i went to look at this and i i couldn't do it i got past the beginning and i was like i we got to the cave drawings and i was like no i'm not doing this i got two hours i got something else i just gotta do this movie is better than that but it's not nearly what as good as it could have been. It's not near where it was before. And I have a theory about that. The thing about Alien and Aliens that I don't hear brought up enough is both of those directors at that time in their lives were young. They were new to doing this. They didn't have reputations. They were trying to build them. And like we've talked about before, a lot of times when you get a great director and you kept, you look at their early stuff and they really have a big head, it's because they're desperate and they don't have time to muck it up. They do the right thing and and it works. You know, and now Ridley's had years to overthink this property. And clearly he has if he had any input into the way this went. And the writers did too. They've had all these years to overthink this. And what you get is this jumbled mess in the end. And that to me is the definition of medium popcorn. That medium popcorn that is middling and frustrating because it could be good, but doggone it, it just refuses to be. It's so frustrating to once again go down the road with Alien here and hope I'm going to get something really interesting and just get a lot of gags. So for me, I'm going to say medium popcorn, but gosh, I, I mean, I'm not as dissatisfied as I was with this with Prometheus, but I, I don't, I kind of feel bad leaving it on a little bit of an uptick because I don't know where they're going from here. So your ratings. I'm going to go with medium popcorn too. It's not as bad as Prometheus. I think we said that in the beginning where it's like, it's better than that. And I'll probably end up buying this movie and I'll probably end up watching it, you know, a couple other times. It's nowhere. It doesn't rank anywhere near one, two or three. In my opinion, I've actually over the years, you know, even since we've done our podcast, I guess appreciated three a little bit more. And I think that a lot of that is based upon what's come after it and how it's just <laughs> like, maybe that was the best possible story that we could get at the time, because there was a lot of stuff going on when that movie was coming out. And I think, you know, looking at what we got, it's more than probably what we deserved as far as what, for an alien movie. It wasn't the movie we needed. It was the alien movie we deserved. <laughs> yeah. 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 The, the quote Nolan there, but, um, <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a medium popcorn. While 
yeah, it's it's got a lot of flaws. It's got a lot of you know characters. I'll I'll never remember their names or whatever. It it is watchable, and there are some stuff in here I do like. I like the Neomorphs a lot. I think it's a cool new addition to it. I like you know seeing the classic Xenomorph back on screen. I think Fassbender does a great job in his role. I like Daniels. I think Danny McBride did a great job playing Tennessee. Uh, I think he needs some more dramatic roles to be honest with you because I think he really you he's, know kind he's of getting them. That's the thing. He's getting some stuff. So yeah, yeah, he's going to be in the next Halloween movie. Yeah, so he's he's, he's, re- got- he's writing it too, which I'm very interested to see how it goes. So yeah, so and I, it's a medium popcorn. I mean. I think with, you know, a rewrite and, you know, Ridley Scott, you know, just being like, watch Alien again and then go back and just kind of rewrite this movie. I think it could have been a very, very good movie, but I, here, it's, I'm it's, fix it's just, it's you. a, it's a medium movie. Ridley needed to be producer and Neil Blomkoff should have directed it. Like that, they should have merged the ideas that were going around. Well, not only that, but it's like, why not just made Prometheus and this movie sequels? You know what I mean? It's like, you know what? Pull a soup, you know, not even that. I mean, you could have it in this in the universe where all the stuff with Ripley happened and just have this happening sometime between Alien 3 and Alien 4 where it's like, okay, may, maybe Peter Whalen's distant relative or something like that who is still in charge of the company went out there seeking these engineers and all this other stuff happened. It would make a lot more sense if that was the case. Mm-hmm. The problem with the prequels is you got to hit certain dots to be able to match up with the with, with the new ones and I think a lot of times that does handcuff the creative you know output for a movie and the thing is if you're not able to hit those dark dots not able to hit those marks then just don't do it just make it a sequel you can you can create your own rules you can change stuff around having the new advanced tech that we see on the ships having the androids that can heal themselves and all that stuff would make a lot more sense in the future as opposed to leading up to Alien, where we have you know them running off MS DOS or something like that in the ship, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just it, it's not the movie's fault. It was made in the '70s, so that's what mm-hmm. they thought. But it's just like it would just make a lot more sense. And it's just again, it's just the prequel stuff is very it's hard to hit. It's hard to hit. So, mm-hmm. but any, anyways, going back, it's 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 a medium popcorn. It's it's disappointing to say the least, but it's it's not as bad as I guess it could have been. So so, so my question is. Do you think they'll continue it? Do you think they'll let Ridley keep doing these? And where does it go? You know, do they keep stringing this out, or do you think they finally do give us the answers that we want? And should should we even want those anymore? Here's my fear, and I, I've discussed it with a couple other people who've seen the movie, and what I think is going to be the end game for this. I think the next movie will be the last one, and this will be the one that leads up to Alien, because I think that's probably what, the, if they're going to make another one, I think they're going to say, we got one more movie here, or there's no two or three more, like you're saying, Ridley, we got one more, we'll let you make it, and what I think they're going to do is, there's 2,000 colonists on the ship, and if you go back to Alien, there was thousands of eggs in that ship. And I think what it's going to turn out to be is that for some reason, somehow David's going to, they're going to run into the engineers again. Mm -hmm. And I think what's going to happen is the colonists that are on the ship, it's going to be discovered that uh, David turned everybody into eggs. That was Ridley's big thing with alien. Remember how Dallas and uh, Brett were turning into eggs? He's just, he's obsessed with that idea, even though it makes no sense that you need to have a person turn into an egg and then a person to create an alien. It, 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 that's just, that doesn't make as much sense as there being an alien queen. Right. And 
so I think that's what the end game is going to be. And to even stretch it a little bit further, I think that the uh, space jockey that Dallas and Kane and Lambert encounter in Alien is going to be David. I think that it's hmm. going to be he ends up going inside that suit and he's impregnated and that the alien comes out and it's now the biomechanical where it's like it takes the traits of David being mechanical and wow. maybe 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 that's maybe that thing then takes you know kills the 2000 you know colonists and turns them into the eggs i don't know i'm throwing out a lot of different that, ideas man here, but, i'm gonna tell but you I think, like I think go that's write that happen. go write that please that sounds amazing that would be the best third part they could do with this that that would be that makes so much sense now it doesn't account for the size differential but we can figure that out later i i, I like the idea I, that makes so much sense now because you've said that that will not happen you know that right you've put that into the universe now so so we'll get something that damon lindelof directs but you know it it's, well it's, it's a great it's idea even, like, even when we talked about prometheus it was like this whole thing with like cave paintings and everything, it's like, well, why not have it that there was a signal being shot into outer space? Again, these movies are all about people discovering signals, and it turns out that it was a fail-safe for the engineers where if an, a species that they created was got advanced enough where it could be able to identify the signal and be able to seek them out, that they needed to be destroyed. That way they can continue to be the top of the food chain in this universe, right. and that's why they were going to go back to kill them. I mean, there's some logical stuff there that they're just missing, and mm-hmm. even with Covenant. How much better would this have been if David got down to this planet and, you know, it was, you know, let's say it was the engineer's home world and these alien eggs were there. They were, you know, were they creations of the engineers? Were they just something that was living on this planet? What were they? Leave it in mystery. I think just to go back and to say that these were midichlorians and that's how the Jedi were created, <laughs> I think you're, you're just, you're putting too much explanation on something that should just be kind of left vague because, again, your imagination and the ideas that you can come up with to connect these are going to be I, so much more powerful than whatever they can put on screen. I agree with you there. I, as much as I want answers, and I've I've you know railed against this movie for an hour and a half now about it didn't give me the answers I wanted, and that this series has, has gone off the rails from doing that or whatever. I, every time I've watched a film series that gave me those answers, I don't know that I've ever been completely satisfied with it. You know, I'm like, eh, and never, it, it's always better in the chase. It's what I said early in the in the podcast. We talked about TV shows. The, the landings, the endings are hard because once you finally get there, what do you do? It's you know, it's where do we go? You know, like it, it's hard to ever wrap the the circle completely up, and because uh, the getting there's the fun of it, and. Maybe I don't want those answers, you know, but what I do want the next time I want to say this, I I don't need another epic two hour, two hour and 15 minute movie. I kind of want a sleek 95 minute scary movie. This is one thing I didn't say about this when we were reviewing it, Nick, but I got to say the other thing this is missing from the other Alien and Aliens movies and even Alien 3, this is way too wide open. There's no claustrophobia in this as much as they try to create it they don't do a good job of it and i never felt like closed in the way that you need to in these these kind of movies so uh, we we've said all we can say about it at this point i mean we, we can hope for better down the line but um well i guess we'll see in a few years i mean i you know i don't know we we'll be returning to you know blade runner 2049 though later this year like we've we 
teased that one talking about it. We reviewed Blade Runner with uh, Kurt, and we're going to come back and watch that new one. I've seen the newest trailer. It looks interesting. So, uh, But we've got more stuff coming out before then, man. I mean, we're, we're looking at doing some different things. You uh, threw down the gauntlet the other day. You've got a little trilogy you want us to do starring Vin Diesel, and this time not a car, right? <laughs> No, it's going to be a spaceship. Um, it was kind of uh, going back over the notes of the Alien series. Uh, there was a script uh, written by David Twoey for Alien 3. Um, I don't exactly remember the particulars of his script, but um, I do want to say that it did get transformed into the movie called Pitch Black. And I think when you actually do watch that, Jay, um, you'll see why I think that, because to me, it's the movie that could easily be set, to, set in the Alien universe. And yeah, I mean, they did decide to make two sequels, uh, believe it or not, even though none of the movies were extremely successful, I guess, maybe on DVD, they made a lot of money or something like that. But it goes from alien style monster horror to Star Wars Dune, and then kind of back to like, wouldn't say like monster horror, but more of you'll you'll see when you get there. It's it's it's. (laughs) It's a movie that has, uh, you know, three parts, and all three parts are very, very different. So it'll be interesting discussion. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious to see that one too. I've never seen any of those. So it's also another reason to do it is I've never seen it. You find something I've never seen. I'm, I'm always down. So we're gonna get into that one uh, coming up soon. Of course, we've got more in the Kubrick retrospective that Kurt and I've been doing coming out and everything. And I want to tell folks right now, though, the next thing you're gonna get. We're going to go back to horror, and Ron and Brian and I are getting back together. We're going to revisit Scream. Scream 1 through 4 is coming out uh, next. That's going to be kind of our June series, and then we'll get into some of the other stuff as the summer rolls on. So glad to get into a little bit of horror here, and then we'll get back into some more sci-fi action stuff uh, later on. Again, folks, you can always follow us on uh, iTunes, subscribe to the podcast, Continuous Play Podcast, Film Strip. Find us on the web at continuousplaypodcast.com slash movies, and let us know what you think leave us a good review on itunes helps other people find the show until next time for nick i'm jay thanks for listening to filmstrip thank you for listening to filmstrip you can find more episodes on our website continuousplaypodcast.com forward slash movies please leave us a positive review on itunes and link up with us on facebook the filmstrip theme music is produced and performed by frozen lake 121.